Hello, and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is on Joe Wright's 2005 Pride and Prejudice, and I'm happy to be joined by our recurring guest, Denise Ackerman. Denise, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about this movie. Yeah, so I'm excited to talk about this movie with Denise. She had a tweet about it a few weeks ago, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. It's a movie I've been thinking about watching. Maybe we'll do a podcast on it because as I – I don't even know if I really ex- fully explained it the last time you were he- here, Denise, but like when I'm trying to do these podcasts in quarantine, we have a limited number of new releases. That's always kind of a priority yeah. to get to them when it's timely. But I – oh, no, actually I did because I, part of my criteria has been like I want to go kind of fill in a gap in my filmography or a genre that I'm not really that familiar with or uh, something from a director who I've seen most of their stuff but not that one big thing. And I was kind of doing that with Adam Sandler because uh, – Wedding Singer was like his one well-received movie I'd never really seen. So Mm -hmm. I've seen like a couple of Jane Austen adaptations before, but I haven't really ever put myself out there to talk about one and actually force myself to really think about it and and analyze it and give my thoughts. And I figured, I mean, Emma came out earlier this year, but I didn't do a podcast on it. I did see Emma, but I I didn't do a podcast on it. So I figured this would be a good place to start because it seemed like you were fairly well-versed in some of this material. I guess where I want to start, though, is uh, without giving like a full synopsis of Pride and Prejudice itself, is just to note that uh, it's obviously the adaptation of the uh, Jane Austen novel. It's set in the late 18th century, rural England, follows the Bennett family who have five daughters, and their patriarch is played by Donald Sutherland, who pretty cool to see him just be a nice warm fellow because i think of him more as a villain in movies typically yeah uh, uh he seems Hunger to games like immediately comes to mind yeah and i think he's the guy that's done a lot of really brilliant work aside from that but for some for reason sure. that it, it, it you just can't help but think about that and he's been a villain in a few other things too but he, yeah. he seems happy in this movie to uh have these five daughters who just and let them live their lives as they so choose very chill dad for the 18th century and uh their mom not so much she's just eager to marry them off so they can be financially secure uh, a, a wealthy bachelor named Charles Bingley moves to a nearby estate, and he becomes a, a, a potential match for uh, any of the daughters, specifically their oldest daughter, Jane. They try and marry Elizabeth off to his distant cousin, who is set to inherit their family's estate, as women cannot inherit land because, I mean, that would just be ridiculous. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, for a moment, it seems like she's taken with another officer named George Wickham, but also there is another man in the picture named Mr. Darcy, who is friends with Mr. Bingley. and. It, it kind of f- follows Elizabeth as she kind of navigates all this at, and the family at large. But I guess where I want to start, Denise, is, uh, you know, I'm guessing you're someone who isn't necessarily a fan in real life when there are huge expectations put on young women to find a man before they're married. Uh, it's kind of just like an unfair thing. We say don't turn into a spinster if you're not married by 28 or whatever like that. Like, we don't – that's just like a, a thing that like, hey, that's un- an unfair expectation. And also, while you and I are both fans of rom-coms, I think it is fair to say that some might have problematic framing when a movie could just imply that there is a failure on the part of a woman if they can just not find a man by a certain age, right? And I – guess where I want to start is by asking if we can kind of agree on that opinion in general. What do you think the biggest reason is that we embrace stories from this time? I'm speaking of like 17th century, 18th century England. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think all of those uh, questions are, are things that I've asked myself too, because so many of the rom-coms, even so-called like contemporary rom-coms, um, you know, it's going to be like a conventionally attractive woman who's about to turn 30 and she's like, oh my God, my life is over. I need to find a man now and get married and have children. And that sort of um, becomes the end goal. And the interesting thing is, is that like, and 30 is 20 in these, in, in, in these times we're talking about 30 is the new, (laughs) right. 30. If you didn't get married by 30 in eight, you know, 19th century England or 18th century England, you were pretty much gone, I guess, Mm -hmm. spinster for life. Um, slim pickings at that point. I think, you know, I took a couple of courses actually on the British novel. So I learned some of the backstory about like why, you know, once women, you know, Jane Austen kind of became um, a really important figure in literature because it was like, here is this woman who's writing these novels that people are receiving well, right? Like, it's not just a man or a woman using a uh, pseudonym, like the Bronte sisters, for example. But often these novels would talk about love, like the the entire objective of some of these like um, popular culture novels, as you would or like 
like marketed towards the masses was about a woman, you know, finding a husband and then getting married. That was always the end goal. So it's interesting that like, I don't know how much has changed in 200 plus years. (laughs) Um, but, but that's kind of, um, where we start And the, and again, I think the interesting thing is, is that Jane Austen, in my opinion, I've, I've thought about this and like, if I could go back and write a thesis, I, I absolutely would on romantic comedies, um, because then it would all be worth it. All this time I've spent wasted on them, mm-hmm. um, is that she's the blueprint, right? Like this story of like two lovers at odds, right? It's like, who's more proud, Elizabeth or who's more prejudiced? Is it Darcy? Um, this idea that two people who are at odds with each other could come together, right? Because this hate that they have for, for each other is just like misused passion, right? That you turns into love is it's, it's in every rom-com, right? It's interesting, or, or like most of them, right? You see this like enemies to lovers type of, of trope. So like all the tropes kind of started here, right? This is like uh, patient zero of all these tropes or whatever right. it is, right? Um, and it's just interesting because, you know, Bridget Jones' diary, for example, has the, like the main character there is Mark Darcy, who's played by Colin Firth. What Colin Firth played <laughs> Darcy in yeah. the BBC miniseries. So all these things sort of start coming together. And then even You've Got Mail, my favorite rom-com of all time, what book is uh, Kathleen reading in the cafe when Joe finds her? It's Pride and Prejudice. Mm. So this, this idea, uh, all of these things still uh, like... Pride and Prejudice is still super relevant, you know, um, even today and in the films that we sort of know and love. And so obviously it's interesting that like the sen- the sentiments of, you know, 18th century England still seem relevant. Like we haven't been able to shed them maybe, if that's right. But yeah. I wonder how, I think we'll get, we'll delve into it. Yes, it's still problematic. Um, but I think there's just something about this love story that just, transcends like so many adaptations of pride and prejudice well you know i i, I wasn't trying to say it was problematic when i when i was asking you <laughs> okay. uh wh- why we why we like movies of this time but the fact is like there are people that have problematic views within the movie but i don't think the movie is really endorsing that i was kind of i mean i kind of i was thinking about earlier when i was just kind of outlining the podcast a little bit how i wanted to start with that question but then i kind of answered it myself when i was thinking about it because i was like well yeah, we, we these these stories are successful because in a large part they're maybe about women rebelling against those expectations. But I was still curious to see what you would say to that because the fact is, while yes, like it should be totally fine if they just don't if, if if they just don't get a man in the end. The fact that it's even the fact that she's willing to stand up for for love as opposed to just like marrying for money that was. Uh, still fairly rebellious in its own way and pretty just uh, i don't want to say it's breaking a barrier but it's it still kind of stands apart from what the expectation of women might have been in that time so i think that's a way that like hey uh, a lot of people can still get behind uh elizabeth if if in the end she just chooses the man only because she's rich then like what kind of story is that you know right, like right, like right. She, she still does something that is actually kind of like undermining like what what her mo- well actually her mother was probably ultimately pretty happy if like i mean Darcy's pretty loaded so that's fine but I mean it it was more when she makes the decision not to not to marry her cousin just just so like yeah I know I mean uh the the mom was a great guy yeah the the mom was I mean god that's well I got it I have some thoughts on that dinner scene uh but uh the the mom was desperate enough to marry her off that she would have married her to a cousin just so they could kind of keep the family's money in the in the fact that she's like just straight up tells her mom no i mean that 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 alone like shows you that the movie comes down on the side of like hey let's not go with what the norms of the time were and i think that's why like movies like this can uh are, are things that people can still get behind today even if we want to recognize that hey like hey we shouldn't just like uh toss a, t- toss a woman out on the streets when she's like 25 and unmarried so. right and i think what's interesting too is that elizabeth Elizabeth is kind of a compelling, I mean, in the book, let's say I've read the book, but like Elizabeth is compelling as a main character for, for the reasons that you outlined. Like Mm -hmm. she's up, she like counters all of Darcy's points, right? She's very intelligent. She is pretty, um, you know, she's, she's, she's pretty, uh, what's the word that I'm thinking of? It's in Spanish, but like, she's pretty, um, sort of humble about, her life and like she's not boastful or someone who likes to wear ostentatious but she, clothing but she's not afraid to like speak her mind 
Exactly. But she's not afraid when she knows that she's been wronged or like she feels like Darcy because Darcy just spends like half the movie insulting her and her family. And he's like, by the way, I really care for you. But it's despite all these other like flaws that you have. And she's like, OK, well, thanks for um, insulting me. I'm obviously about to jump into your arms. Right. So it, I think she's actually really she's a really compelling character. I, I have thoughts about Kira Knightley. I think Kira Knightley, because I, you know, I think a lot of people prefer the BBC mini miniseries and I won't talk about that because that's like, again, the novel's long. This movie is, you can only do so much in two plus hours. Right. And so it, the miniseries is like six hours. So you really see this relationship between Darcy and, and Elizabeth develop and then you also see like the cultural commentary about England at the time because it was all this about status symbols and like class hierarchies mm -hmm. and whatever um which still like these are important um points that still make it into the film I think you know but I I just yeah that well I think she's pretty interesting yeah well I mean you well the funny thing is that you also mentioned that like he's insulting them throughout the film I don't necessarily think he really is she overhears him being really insulting in the very first scene 10 right. minutes into the movie and says like uh and and, and and just basically says like oh I don't really think I could uh, I, I could kind of tolerate her she's 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 reasonable enough looking or something to that extent and then right. uh, when when in the, in the next scene when they're actually confronted with each other face to face and he and she's like oh no poetry is not the way to a woman's heart and he's like oh well what is she's like well dancing even if one's partner is barely tolerable and like she's like <laughs> i think she's more insulting him throughout the movie and in a way the movie's really ahead of its time way ahead of its time because it's about like a woman like negging her way into a man's heart and i guess that is true and, that's and, a good point <laughs> and and like i mean she's the one that's kind of like giving him shit when uh she meets one of his friends in that scene where she's like playing the piano and she just like mm -hmm. t totally like makes fun of him the way that he was like the way he was in that very first scene when she did meet him and how he wouldn't dance with anyone i mean it's really about a guy that just like doesn't know how to talk to girls That's and, what I, I was literally i was thinking like darcy's just this very socially awkward good-looking wealthy man like imagine a chad that just has no <laughs> social skills <laughs> yeah and i mean like i i think it's like bingley's not exactly the smoothest guy himself either he's no. just nice and <laughs> and so i mean like he's really i mean yeah he, he really probably is the better prize even if he's only has half of the income that darcy does he's right. just like he's just like agreeable and pleasant and for so much of this runtime darcy isn't like he, he just doesn't know how to talk to people and i think it's very evident why he'd be attracted to someone like elizabeth that is so uh secure in herself and easy to talk to people and can hold a conversation because like you can be drawn to that when it's something that's just like something you don't really see in yourself and so i, I kind of buy that like he would ultimately kind of fall for her i i i kind of question exactly like uh when it is we're supposed to buy that like she would fall in love with him uh, right. though, though, I mean, like, I, I think that like, I think Matthew McFadden does a really good job of like, uh, um, having a softer demeanor when she ultimately sees him back at his estate later in the movie. And I was like, Oh, I can see why this guy would be appealing. It's just up until that point. Like, I mean, I, I didn't blame her for being like at all repulsed, uh, in having the attitude of like men are just hum humorless poppycocks. Uh, cause <laughs> I, that, that, that was one of my favorite quotes in the movie. Um, but yeah, no, I think certainly, uh, that was the but you, you, you before you mentioned just kind of like talking about like the you, you dropped the name of the movie in there just like the whole uh his pride oh, and yeah. like whether or not he can even like really swallow it class is a big part of it too but i i, I think that's another reason why like this these stories from a long time ago are really resonant which was the next thing i want to talk about and that like i think there is just like something like very timeless about like whether or not someone's gonna like you know do do the thing for love or do the thing that's like most convenient and i i, I think that like I don't know. I, I want to go back and ask you because you, you, you made a comment about Kira Knightley. Like, do you actually have positive feelings about her in this movie? Because I think you think it's fun to kind of watch her navigate those feelings. Yes. And actually, I went back because she looks so young to me. I think she was in her early. She was probably she's like, 20. She's when 20 she, she, yeah, she was like uh, 21 when this was filmed. 21. 20, so 20, 21. I was like, so I think what's interesting, again, I, there's so many people who have their Elizabeth, like the one that they prefer. They're like oh, the BBC miniseries or it's the 2005 version. Well, I, I, should, I, I should. I meant to mention at the beginning, though, that like my one experience with Pride and Prejudice before watching this movie was I got to go to an early screening of 2016's Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. And Zombies. <laughs> so my, my first Elizabeth was Lily James as okay. uh, Elizabeth Bennett in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. A delightful movie, I might add, but it was still oh, kind of okay. it's still <laughs> kind of ridiculous that like I had seen that before I'd seen any actual real Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> yeah, this one has 
infinitely less zombies. I don't know if it has infinitely less drama, but maybe it has more drama and obviously less <laughs> well, zombies. Yeah, yeah. It, it, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies is a comedy for sh- first and foremost, for sure. and, it, and it does a very good job of that. But like, I mean, it was just kind of funny because that was my only point of if your only point of reference is Pride and Prejudice and Zombies for Pride and Prejudice, like you probably need to do a little more research. So yeah. it, I, I was long overdue <laughs> to watch this movie, but uh, but but yeah. So Lily James was my Elizabeth, but now I have two okay. Elizabeths. So I got I, I I haven't I really hadn't given a lot of thought if I had to pick one at this point, but I guess maybe I need to watch the BBC thing and then pick on Elizabeth. Yeah, I think what I like about Kira, I think she's a little bit uh, what's the word? like she's very spirited. Whereas I feel like in the novel, it's been a it's bear with me. It's been many years since I read it, but Elizabeth is just very she has that dry like British humor mm-hmm. um, about her. So she just, it's like a just very witty. Whereas I feel like I think Kira's is a little bit more earnest than maybe like, I like it. I think there's just an innocence about her, um, that I really appreciate. And, and she has this like youthful quality in her Elizabeth. But I think the, the Elizabeth that I, um, that I like first encountered in the novel is a little bit more like dry. Um, like when, you know, Darcy talks about how he likes women who are well read and she just like closes her book <laughs> and she's like, uh, just everything about that, what that man likes, I detest, or I will be, I will, strive to be the opposite because I hate this man. Um, so I actually really enjoyed her performance. I think that a lot of people have to suspend their disbelief. I mean, I don't know how, can we like just go all in on spoilers? I mean, people already, yes, know this happening. is, this, 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 this story has been around for a year or two. So you're, you're fine. Yeah, for a year or two. The kiss isn't historically accurate, right? Like they're not like, that would be just like how, when Lydia ran off with George Wickham, that was like, you know, oh, we're ruined as a family, right? Hmm. Um, because a woman's status is based on, like, if she's, like, kept her virginity intact probably or not, or if she, like, who's she marrying? Because women don't have political or social capital outside of who they marry. So I think well, it's interesting. Well, that, like, the idea was that, like, if she had eloped, it would have, like, I mean, or if she just, like, run off yeah. with a guy without getting married, then it would have been, like, oh, well, you're not pure Terrible. anymore, and then that Absolutely. brings shame to the entire family. So that's why that, I had a little trouble following that in the moment, but this the idea that, like, Darcy, like, paid for them to get married just made it so, like, she wasn't just seen as someone that had, like, had sex right, outside of marriage right. and just, like, totally shamed the family. Is that the idea? Right, exactly. Yeah, okay. And that was, like, that was the proper, she did the proper, she went through the proper channels, thankfully. <laughs> like, Dar- like, Darcy actually, like, helped her get married. Gotcha. Because um, I heard the term elope, because I think they call it an elopement, and I just yeah. assume elope means get married, but they just basically meant ran away and not necessarily exactly. got married, which would have been, like, awful, I guess, for in exactly. those times. Isn't it interesting, too? It's, like, because all of the rom-coms that you see have like a a character maybe a character that shows up and he ends up being the jerk or like this really as i said i'm gonna say it a million times that this really is the blueprint for like so many of the rom-com tropes which i think is interesting and and there are some genuinely like really funny moments i think you and i talked about it before this podcast but like when bingley who's this like really nice cinnamon roll of a guy he's actually very sweet um (laughs) He's like, oh, I'm so glad, you know, because he's he's really taken to Jane, and he's like, I'm so glad a, you're ill. It's a pleasure Not to have you. It's Ill. a pleasure to have yeah. you ill here. <laughs> Not that you're ill, but that you're here and you're <laughs> ill here. So he's he's just trying his best, um, you know. And then obviously we have that sinister character of of uh, Charles' sister, who is obviously so into Darcy, and he just doesn't. He's like the thing about Darcy is that he's like the inner machinations of his head. Every time he's like interacting with Elizabeth, I can only imagine there's like all these YouTube compilations of people like coming up with stuff that he's saying in his head as he's seeing her. Yeah. And he's like, Oh my God, pretty girl. What do I say? What do I do? I like, he's just stuck in his brain the whole time, like trying to decipher what she was meaning when she was talking to him or like, Oh, she's coming this way. Like, and he just defaults, he just defaults, he he just defaults to the most dour words possible every time. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I, you know, um, you know, if she's like, Oh, do you like to dance Mr. Darcy? And he's like, no, not particularly. But one, it's just like this guy, I assume like every time she leaves, he's like, God, I did it again. You <laughs> really know what you're doing. <laughs> no. Yeah. He, he, so. He's just a mess. And I, I mean, it's like, I mean, the thing is like, I, Bingley's sister is also like, I mean, she, she's friendly. She, I mean, yeah, she's probably into him just cause like, Oh, that's another guy with money. And I mean, I don't really think he really looks that handsome for like the first like uh, three three quarters of the yeah, movie. What do you think about Matthew Mc, McFadden? I cannot pronounce Mc, that last name. I, I think it's McFadden. But, uh, okay. Well, do you, he's in Succession, I think. Is he not? I, yes. So, I, so do you not watch Succession? 
I don't, and I should. Oh my god! That, well, that has see all the, the tropes that I love. Well, did you see the Emmys the other night? Like, you, 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 I know they swept. Yeah, they they swept everything, and he's just a totally different character in that. And like, okay. I never seen him in any. Or I take that back. So I, I'd seen him in that, and then I'd seen him in The Assistant, which is a really good movie from earlier this year on Amazon Prime that has uh, Julia Garner. Uh, I don't watch Ozark as a matter of principle, but uh, she she just won that. She she won the one Emmy. Basically, she won one of the few Emmys that like succession didn't win uh for ozark but she's in like the assistant this movie about a girl that's like a uh an executive assistant at like a place like working for someone like harvey weinstein and matthew mcfaden plays like the hr person that she has to go to at one point in the movie and it's an uncomfortable really effective scene but like i'd only seen him in that and in succession it's like a purely comedic performance so if you only know this guy really just from playing a purely comedic performance on succession for the most part to then like see him play like the most emo character i've ever seen and and darcy for like and that's basically what he is for the first like 45 minutes of the movie it was really funny so like i mean but like i actually think they make him look more handsome when she goes back and she sees him at um Pember- pemberley and he's hanging out with his sister like he looks yeah. like he's like taking a load off in some way i don't know if he's had a few, gotten a few drinks in him or he's just like I, I don't know what he's done but he just like seems like a much more relaxed person and the rest of the movie he just looks like totally ridiculous and i guess i got away from the point though where it was like i'm sure bingley's sister was pretty into him even if i think he looked pretty weird but she's like nice <laughs> to elizabeth too like she gets in on teasing him in that scene where like he's talking about like what wh- what a well-rounded woman should be or what a impressively i, I don't know what the term I-, I don't know what the term was it was impressive or knowledgeable or um i don't know they saying what, what a woman has to do to, to be uh, well accomplished or something like that i think it was well accomplished that was it yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. like oh they, they have to read they have to do this they have to do that they have to do that and both of them just start giving him a lot of shit and it's like yeah it's the, it's the only thing you can think to say when you're in the presence of these women is just like talk about how like no women is like actually worthy enough to like for you to acknowledge that they're smart right after bingley's it's like being so nice and it's like you know i think it's really nice how all you women do all these things these days it's really cool how you learn how yeah. all these things needle and, point and you're doing yeah, yeah, all these instruments yeah and, and then bingley's like none of that's all that impressive and it's like okay dude way to be a buzzkill <laughs> i actually i was gonna ask you because i think that's that conversation takes place in that scene where like Darcy goes, you know, if you guys like, uh, Bingley's, uh, sister mm-hmm. says, to says to Elizabeth, like, let's take a turn about the room. Mm-hmm. And so Darcy's like, you know, if you have a specific reason to do this, if you just want us to look at your figures, please proceed. <laughs> and he's just like, so he's so upfront about, I think he has this like very, uh, it's not even crude, but it's like very, um, blunt manner of speaking that I think just like at all at once amuses and repulses Elizabeth. And I just think that that's like, she just knows how to get under his skin. Right. And so, so do you think that's part of why she's drawn to him is that she just kind of, I mean, maybe it's just like, she likes the, she, she gets a kick out of the effect she can have on a guy like that. Like, do you think that's yeah, what ultimately draws her to him? Absolutely do. Again, like I said, I get why he would really be taken to her, but like, wh- what is someone that like seems as, as personable as her really like want with a guy like him? But can you see, can you kind of understand why someone like that would kind of like, is it more of not, not even necessarily taming the bad boy, because I don't think he like has enough personality to be the bad boy necessarily, yeah. but just like, just the challenge of like actually trying to crack that nut is kind of what draws her to him maybe. Yeah, I do. And I really do think so because if we recall like Darcy, you know, he'll, he shows up and he asks her to that ball. Right. And so there she's trying to, I think she genuinely like tries to give him second chances too. Like, she's like, you know, how do we feel about she, she's like talking to him and he's like, do you make it a habit to talk during these balls? And she's like, no, I prefer to be taciturn and I prefer to be rude. And she's like, I prefer to be silent. And I think that like, that's just part of the dynamic, you know? And I think he doesn't expect that. I think he, you know, at the time, that's why I think this is so like, Elizabeth or Lizzie or whatever is she's so revolutionary is because she really gives him a run for his money even though the thing is though that it's kind of not not my gripe really but you know the that family is the the Bennett family is not poor like it make they make you think so because of the, like there's chickens and they're this but they're a middle class family they just don't have the type of the annual pound salary or whatever it is that um yeah but they the have like they like, have like a carriage they have like um they still a, have a nice house yeah it reminded me of sense and sensibility too where like that family's kind of poor but they always have a rich relative they can just go stay with um yeah. it's like no one's ever really that poor in this world right and i think like it, it, it's that like it's the universal right like the the line from 
like everybody knows that, you know, um, it is a, a truth universally acknowledged that any man in, you know, with a good fortune should be in want of a wife. There's, you know, I think there's people give a lot of shit to also the dynamic between, uh, Mrs. Bennett and Mr. Bennett is so funny because Mr. Bennett is just like, you can tell Lizzie got her, her like wit from him because he's just hilarious. And he, he just, he's checked out. Right. I think the funny thing about that character is that he is checked out and he's exasperated and he's like, I'm just going to let my wife do whatever she wants because clearly she's obsessed. He, with he, he, he might not have been so chill when the youngest daughter was born and he just like lost out on getting a son, but he might've oh. just come to terms with it. Uh, yes. But and like nobody remembers Kitty anyway. You know what I mean? Like there's like Kitty's like the Anne Peggy of yeah, this K- whole. Kitty's the Carrie Mulligan one, right? Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> so Lydia is played by Jenna Malone, we should say, which is like pretty impressive that just like an American gets cast as one of these daughters and fits right True. into the cast. And it's pretty impressive because, I mean, she was probably also like 20 years old at the time. Uh, but I'm glad you mentioned the dad's sense of humor because, I mean, that, that was part of it. Like, I mean, I think I think part of the appeal of these movies, too, is also that like, look, to a certain extent, like you know in this time like these these english people like had to like they couldn't say exactly what was on their mind in the way they wanted to say it like you know they have to be they have to be a little more sly with their with their with their burns they got to be slick and uh underhanded and they just have to be a little more reserved and repressed with what they're feeling and i thought that dinner scene with mr collins was just like it was it was just incredible because they (laughs) obviously like do not think that highly of this guy and for some reason mr collins is going like is going on and on and on about like how good he is at giving compliments to women and it's like look are you really that good about it if you have to sit here for five minutes and analyze the art of the compliment you were giving to the woman and talking about how I'm going to give you this great compliment because I know women like receiving these compliments and I really practiced it like this and just so you wouldn't think I was practicing it and then uh, Elizabeth says like no one would expect your manners to be rehearsed and her, yeah. but but even before that actually uh, Mr. So Bennett said Mr. Bennett says how happy for you Mr. Collins to possess the talent for flattering with such delicacy and then uh, Elizabeth like like there's a very quick cut to her like the scene is very well edited where it's like a knowing glance between her and her dad where it's like like you said like she probably gets it from him and like they probably have this kind of understanding where they get each other's humor uh her 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 thing where she says no one expected them to be rehearsed lydia has to like stifle a squeal uh like she she (laughs) almost gets it out and it's like i think because it is of this time i think that like almost works to, in its favor when you're talking about the comedic portion of this movie because like everything is like just bubbling under the surface and like lydia like that's a little bit out from under the surface but like they have to really keep it restrained and that repression can like obviously lead to a lot of dramatic moments but also a lot of funny moments too yeah and i think you know not to say that i have this extensive knowledge of british humor but i think it mirrors that like rather than like gag after gag or whatever it is i think this this sort of like intelligent humor it seems very characteristic of british humor too where it's like i'm not going to tell you exactly but i'm going to be extremely sarcastic about how i'm feeling I think, well, I, I wanted to ask you what you thought about, mm-hmm. what you thought about, like, our side characters. Like, we, I, I don't think we've even talked about George Wickham. Like, also, like, just the the uh, iconic scenes between Elizabeth and Darcy that don't involve, like, there's just so much leading up to, not that they spend that much time on screen, but there's so much leading up to, like, when she walks that first time to get to um, the Bingley estate um, to see her sister who's sick and, like, um, you know, she's a mess and just, there's just so much that happens and like just every time. And I know you said it, he doesn't make a habit of insulting, but I think that like, it, what's interesting with Darcy is that he clearly is so put off by her overbearing mother and he knows what's going on. And he just thinks the family is crazy, but he's like extremely attracted to this woman. So he keeps <laughs> like, is like, he has this like pain. He's popping up. Everywhere. Yeah, he's just so painful. He's he's like trying to he's pained as he's doing it. He's like this woman is very attractive and like I don't know what to do with myself and blah blah blah. And I just think he, just such a stuffy guy who's trying to deal with all this. I I would really, to be honest with you, I would love to see. I, I, First like, of all, I yeah, think it's funny that you're saying he's just like this stuffy guy because you're totally right about everything you said about him. But <laughs> everyone seems to don't. No one seems to really mind us having him hang out at their house. Seems like the kind of guy that would kill the mood every now and then. But he's just hanging out in rooms everywhere, chilling. And except he's he's except he's the least chill person ever. So it's actually not that chill. Uh, yeah. But uh, it, it is funny how he just like. I mean, 
he's the guy that just like you know like w- walks by the bar where he thinks his crush might be there because yeah. you know, who like, knows he doesn't, he doesn't know she texting. right he doesn't know she's gonna be texting. she's here blah, blah blah yeah so he doesn't know she's gonna be there but he's gonna walk by that bar and hope he happens to bump into her and that's his darcy's whole game because he has no other game uh you know and <laughs> I, I i say that as someone that is somewhat sympathetic because like I'm, I'm not exactly the person that has the most game that but after watching this movie and watching how clueless these guys are i think i would have killed it in the 18th century totally. england um but 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 yeah so like i think that it, it it is just kind of funny how it's like he doesn't know what to do with himself and he obviously probably hates that part of himself and he he eventually admits it when she gives him that that shit when he she tells his friend how he couldn't even like dance with someone in this room full of women that would have been happy to dance with them he's like i he, he basically just tells her i do not have the talent i do not have the talent of conversing easily with people i have never met before so he's like well yeah, aware he of it. he's well aware of his limitations he probably really has a lot of like just probably hates him part of himself just really like hates that about himself so he probably doesn't actually have the highest opinion of himself but at the same time he can't help but have a higher opinion of himself than a lot of these other people and it's yeah. like a very interesting paradox of a character i guess would be a way to put it where it's like i mean in one way he thinks he's like he thinks he's the shit the other way he knows he's kind of shitty but darcy and darcy does a lot of assuming as well though because he assumes jane's motivations with charles Mm -hmm. and convinces his friend to break up with her even though she herself is shy it seems like both her and charles um are shy and so obviously like i think there's a little bit of that ire that liz lizzie has for him that's warranted where she's like you ruined this out of no like yes he's your friend and like but you didn't care to like yeah you know what i mean no you, you know i think i think it, i think there's one fair criticism of the movie it's like it expects you to just kind of be happy for them at the end while at the same time he never actually really apologizes for that he he, he leaves that note which i mean you know it explains it, it explains and it's it, i think we're led to believe that like he probably ultimately was in the right with respect to whatever happened with wickham even if right. like wickham and still ends up marrying into the bennett family anyway but at, regardless like he with respect to just like breaking up Bingley and Jane the first time, he's like, yeah, you know, like I know I just kind of like assume some stuff, but like I was coming from a good place, and then and, and then yeah, it's ne- it, okay, it's, it's it's never really mentioned again. I think maybe it's kind of implied that like when they when when they go back to the house at the end, like he's probably like had a role in like convincing Bingley at that point, and like hey, like we should go profess our love to these women. Uh, oh, yeah. but 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 at the same time it's like you never really like kind of stops and's like hey sorry for judging your family and just like kind of writing you off as white trash he doesn't he, he, yeah. he, he never quite goes there and maybe he probably should have had that comeuppance i, I does, it sounds like you, it's maybe not that much different in the book yeah again it's they get into so many details but mm-hmm. it was but that's part of the thing like darcy does this assuming he thinks because they don't come from and obviously i mean mrs bennett makes it difficult because she like comes on so strong Mm -hmm. especially in the when she's like introducing her girls and she's like you know jane is this really lovely beautiful um you know daughter she's gotten proposals up the wazoo and oh by the way this is lizzie she's tolerable she's fine and lizzie's like lizzie's like whatever i don't care i'm the middle child doesn't matter whatever it is but um or the second oldest and i think that you know it's just interesting how you know he too has to like kind of take a step back because she rejects him right she rejects him because the only proposal he can give her is one where he's like despite all of your flaws your terrible family your you know your reputation (laughs) i i really like you so please marry me and she's like wow you you come here and this is what a gentleman (laughs) it's so suave (laughs) (laughs) he was so smooth and he's like and then i assume he like left that conversation i've thought about this he left that conversation he's like what do you mean i did everything right i was just i was super honest and it's like hey man you gotta you gotta you gotta you know he's like i actually said what i was feeling normally everyone just wants me to like actually kind of talk and express myself because i'm just a robot and i said i i I was i I opened my heart to her and said everything i was thinking yeah and (laughs) hand flex we have we haven't yet to talk about the the hand flex that has broken the internet well well, right well i (laughs) I, I think that, that that I meant to I meant to kind of circle back to that when I was just making okay. the point about just like well people just being repressed in that time in general and only being able to say so much and this is a character that is already having a, uh, just a, a a lot of trouble talking to begin with and I think that is part of the fun of these movies is like I said is like. I say that's part of the fun of these movies or it's just, uh, I guess anything that kind of takes place in this particular time period where people like mm-hmm. have, have to let things go unsaid and you got to pick up on those cues. 
and uh, wh- whether it be like a, a glance at a dinner table or I mean, we didn't talk necessarily in great detail about the about the big ball scene, which is kind of the centerpiece of the movie oh, in certain yeah. ways, which I mean, it's kind of broken up by a few like conversations, but like has two long tracking shots within it which are very just impressive from a filmmaking perspective. It's but like, beautiful. I mean, I, I, I tried to go back and watch it a couple of times and like, I still think I could probably pick up on something new every time, but there's like a moment where it's like Darcy just lurking in the background or something like that. It's like, how much does that even tell you just right there where it's like the, it picks up on him as she's walking towards the camera and he just like comes in the frame, kind of looks at her back and then walks away. And it's just like you, moments, movies like this that like are going to deal with repressed English people are going to like deal with smaller moments. I mean, that, and and that was the tweet that even got me to reach out to you about this in the first place. Was you mentioned that hand flex, and I really didn't know. Not, I, I did not know what you were talking about. Maybe I need to go back and watch Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. I don't know if there's an homage <laughs> to that in it or not. And maybe I would have like known what you're talking about right away. But like I was like, oh, like that's interesting. Denise has some thoughts about a, a moment with the hand in this movie. Like okay, I guess. Like uh, maybe I'll pick up on that when I watch it. And it kind of does jump off the screen. It's, you know what, I think you, you nailed it because even in that ballroom scene when the two of them are dancing and then it looks like everybody else has left the ballroom, mm-hmm. there's just so many beautiful, like from an aesthetically, and in that scene where she reads his letter, it's just beautiful. This movie, the visuals are astounding, I have mm-hmm. to say, like just to agree with you since we haven't even touched on like the cinematography because it is really uh, a visually stimulating movie. It's just classic Darcy, you know, he's not saying anything to her, but this longing that the two two of them have, I just think it's interesting that like a so-called, not that it was Puritan or like, but obviously there were, you know, Victorian England or whatever it is, or like there, there's just these rules that people were following. um, And, you know, it's not, nobody is sleeping with anyone like you might see in a rom-com, but the, the, in a contemporary rom-com, but the tension is there and it continues to build and build. And again, the kiss is not historically accurate, but even if they hadn't kissed at all, right, you, you would still feel that like energy, the Mm -hmm. chemistry that the the two of them have. And I really think that's a Matthew Kira Knightley thing, but, but it's just interesting how all of those little moments add up to that. You know, he's, he, he helps her onto the carriage and then he flexes his hand because he's like, Still, that phantom uh, hand of hers, he's still thinking about it and how much he, I assume, like, he wants to continue to hold it. So um, there's so much that, that Darcy doesn't say, but those moments say so much about, like, how much he's really falling in love with her. Yeah, I think the movie does a really good job. I, I mean, I, I, is it rated PG or PG thirteen? I don't know, but like it's, um, yeah. For a, I mean, it's really impressive whenever a movie like that can that, that's not gonna it's not gonna rely on uh, actual like sexual mo- sex to like drive the drive the feelings between characters. It has to find other ways to do it, and like you said, a combination of just like cinematography, editing, and performance will uh, it'll it'll get that for you. And I mean. I, mean, I, 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 your, your, your tweet was really funny, but I can like, I can see why, I, I can see why that is one of the more rewatchable scenes in the movie. Cause it, it just tells you a lot about the characters and it's like a, it's, it's a really powerful moment that kind of hits you out of nowhere. I mean, if you know anything about the story going in and even I knew enough from watching Pride and Prejudice and Zombies to know that like Elizabeth Bennett and, and Mr. Darcy was like, that's the main relationship in the movie. But like, if you're just w- w- watching it up until like that point in the movie, there really hasn't been any interaction with them aside from what happens in that first party where he just like says like mean things about her. And yeah, th- that could be, kind of be a tell that something more is coming in any kind of uh, romance movie. But like there hasn't been a whole lot of interaction besides those like f- first quick conversation where she kind of calls him out on his insult. And it's like, oh, there's actually something here. And it it, it really does just like uh, pop off on the screen. You mentioned the cinematography. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful movie. Uh, having gone back and watched it recently, uh, rewatched it recently as you did, are there any images from this that kind of stick with you? For sure, to me, it's that scene where she's reading his letter and he like comes in, you know, it, it just as, as the, as, uh, well, that and the end, like Dawn, when mm-hmm. he's come, that, that last scene, and then obviously the scene in the rain. I'm like, I, I keep mentioning scenes, but like, <laughs> scene in the rain, 100% the scene in the rain where, um, you know, and this, the tension just builds and she's like, this is the, these are the words of a gentleman, you know? And then uh, when he comes to see her and she's like, you know, but my, 
you know, he says, if, if your feelings haven't changed, just say it and I, I will be silenced at once. I won't bother you anymore. But her feelings have changed. And so it's that, it's that beautiful scene where, um, you know, he's coming up the hill and, and she's like, I, you know, I, I care for you deeply and thank you so much for what you did to my family. I can never repay you for it. And he's like, I did it all for you. And you're like, oh, crying <laughs> tears. You're like, I know you did. Um, and then, of course, when she's reading his letter, it's just it's beautiful. And it looked like the, the ghostly sort of image. And she's like, you know, reading it. And she's like she's the revelation of like, you know, George Wickham wasn't who he said he was. And, and Darcy, here's the thing. Darcy could solve so many problems by actually speaking up. But she's <laughs> like, I know what you did. I know what you did to George. And instead of her, like him being like, well, George is full of shit. And here's why. He's just very silent. He just doesn't. He's not. He's, he's, he's not articulate enough to really. He's like, not articulate do it, enough yeah. to be like, oh, is that what George told you? Well, that's not true, you know. Um, so it, it, obviously, that's what allows the events to unfold. Like all of these events still had to unfold for Darcy to like come in and be the hero. But it's just it's interesting. Like even when he's being the hero, it's understated. You know, he 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 wanted to do that for her family and her never to find out really. Right. Um, and so, you know, Darcy, it's that, it's that trope again of the the heart of like really brooding emo guy, but he has a heart of gold at the end of it. So yeah, I think that like, I, we don't see much of George, like they get go more into it in the book, but like, I just think that that character, like the archetype of the man who is the jerk is still kind of an important figure, obviously in this film, but also like you know, he's a playboy, he's breaking hearts, that those things still come up in rom-coms later on, because then, you know, vanquishing this dude, or like being like, go to hell to this dude is what allows the main characters to get together, right? Hmm. The true main characters, like, oh, he dumped me. Um, but George still gets kind of a happy ending, because he still yeah. gets, he gets, like, he gets his money, and he gets to shut up about it. So. Yeah, yeah, well, do you, my, 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 I don't, I don't really have a lot of, you covered a lot of what really looks cool in the movie. I'll just say one one moment that really jumped out to me was when they first come upon Pemberley when she's with her aunt and uncle, and, yeah. and, and they just oh, look at right. her. I mean that 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 the, the colors really like kind of it, it felt like you're looking in like a, a like a whole new part of the country or something. I guess or just like a or they reached like a whole new like. They, they they found access to like a whole other level of wealth that is even beyond what they'd already witnessed uh, in the Bingley's estate. Uh, nether like nether I can't Netherfield. Nether is it Netherfield? Okay, I, I could I couldn't remember exactly what it was. Uh, yeah, Nether Netherfield. Yeah, I mean like they they were like they were even more shocked by Pemberley. And, um, and when she looks at the statue too, I was going to say that mm-hmm. too. When she's looking at the statue, just beautiful. Yeah. So I, the, the the two things that really jump out to me, like yeah, the way it kind of watches her watching everything in his house, but also just when they first come upon it and they give the shocked looks on their faces after we see it, because I was almost like, whoa, that is like yeah. a really nice looking house. And she just kind of laughs, like that's her initial reaction is like, wow, like this guy is really really rich. And she just kind of like laughs at it, but then she's obviously like uh, taken aback in a more serious way when she's in the house, like that, and just like it's the party scene is really incredible like i'm probably gonna go back and watch it again after this because i appreciate it so much yeah. but, but uh, you mentioned wickham and because you, you 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 asked me about the side characters earlier and then we ended up going off on some other tangent uh i wickham is one that jumps out to me because it kind of popped up i mean I, I i quit homeland in like season four uh but rupert friend was uh obviously very prominently featured in that show mm-hmm. uh I, I highly recommend quitting TV shows at a certain point, and I think Homeland earned my it, 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 it earned my distrust. But like, it was kind of funny though watching uh, w- watching this guy who had just been like a super super serious CIA agent just be a total scoundrel, um, and, and 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 that's what he is. You don't you more hear bad things say about him. You kind of see him like you know being really nice and being a really charming fellow to elizabeth and then we just kind of hear things about bad things about him and he's just off screen the rest of the movie so i mean i i don't know it, it was funny because he's anything but charming he's like kind of the darcy of homeland if you want to get an idea of what his disposition is like on that show oh, I see. and okay. i i haven't watched a, a lot of other things that have him in it I, I think he actually uh i actually think he was like what wait he was in another movie recently rupert friend was that was where he played like a really like i don't know a really different kind of flamboyant funny weird character oh he was in a simple favor did you ever see a simple favor no but i i I, it's been on the list he plays like blake lively's boss in that movie and it's like a crazy like fashion designer character and that's like one of the only things i've seen him in besides homeland so it was a a very different kind of thing but i mean it is just like a very loaded cast and that i think that i think that just kind of helps bring something to all these characters i mean like you're i i 
when when you have like a family like five daughters and they're all like just like white people that can kind of like that are dressing similarly like it could be really easy to get get lost so i think it's a good thing to have characters that are like or actresses that are as talented as like carrie mulligan and jenna malone to like try and make them stand out uh and we didn't even really talk about rosamund pike which is kind of weird because like i, you know, I was gonna say i mean jane is like one of the more important important characters in the movie i suppose and I, you know, it was funny. I, I watched, I actually watched about the first half of the movie again before we started recording after I got home from work. And cause I wanted to notice, cause like it kind of felt like all the girls were, um, were equally like really excited about everything. Like the, the, the dad, like no, when, when just the opening scene of the movie, when they're really excited about hearing about, um, uh, Mr. Bingley moving to the neighborhood, just the first time they're all watching all the soldiers come in. Like, it seems like they're all super excited. And I guess maybe on my first watch, they all blurred together a little bit for me. Mm-hmm. So it caught me a little bit off guard when there's the controversy about like, Oh, is like, is she not actually that into Bingley and like, and Elizabeth saying she's shy. And I was like, it seemed like all these girls were like, just like totally, totally thrilled with them to have this guy around. Like no one seemed like they were really that shy. So I wanted to pay more attention to that when I went back and watched it again. And I actually do think it's like a pretty measured performance in some ways. And I can kind of see where they were coming from when they were telling her like, yeah, you're shy. Like you might need to make your feelings a little more known. There's actually one quick moment in the party scene where he is trailing after her. And like, I don't know if he's trying to grab her hand or grab her dress or something like that, but he's the one following her. And you can see how maybe different people would have made that mistake about it. And there are other subtle moments where it's just like with her demeanor in general, where it's like, oh, like, yeah, you aren't quite Elizabeth and you definitely aren't quite your two younger siblings. Like there is like a more quiet side to her. And I think she pulls that off pretty well because, I mean, Elizabeth's obviously the main character and to even give a character as many sides as she does to Jane, I think is uh really important for the movie to work. Yes, I agree. And I think that like you bring up a good point because I was just thinking about Charlotte, who we haven't talked about, but who actually ends up marrying Mr. Collins. Mm. I think that every woman, Jane makes her own decisions, but like every woman in this uh, film has to do what seems right to her at the time, right? Whatever the motivation is. So, you know, uh, Charlotte needs stability. And so she marries Mr. Collins as irritating as he is to the rest of us. And we're like, I, we all, I felt a collective, (laughs) (laughs) I felt like collective pain on her behalf. I was like, Mr. Collins really. Um, she seemed happy about it. So yeah. So she, but that was a trade-off. She's like, you know what? I'm happy with Mr. Collins. I have a a husband. I have an estate. I have, I, I want to be a homemaker at the ripe old Um, age of 27 at the ripe old (laughs) age, spinster age of 27. We're all, we're slowly inching that way. No, I, I, I'm well past that. I am old as hell. You're, you're not there yet. (laughs) No, 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 not, not just, not quite. But then even like Elizabeth, you know, her mom wants nothing more than to marry her off. Although her mom ends up disliking Darcy after she finds out about all the sort of nasty things and then like the breaking up of of uh of Charles and Jane and she's like oh I I detest that man or whatever it is but um but then at the end she's super because there's that really tender moment between Donald Sutherland and and uh Kira Knightley where she's like he's he's just so baffled by how a man that you know Lizzie has hated has now suddenly proposing and she's (laughs) and she's like into it but he's like, you know, I trust you. And like, I, I just really, really like that scene because, um, I just think it's so much of like what a really good father daughter relationship is like. It's the trust that he's putting in her because he knows like he's taking her opinion seriously, but he's also making sure that she's not doing it to rush into something or for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was actually really progressive for the time. Oh yeah. I don't, remember, I don't recall. Like, I, that's, that's just like an addition. He's a man out of time. Um, yeah. They, that's just an addition that they made. I think I, again, I, it's been so many years since the, the book, but I, even that, I think it's a cool choice. So you don't see like dads like that in movies of the, that are no, and even in modern rom coms, you know, where are the where are the where's the family? Mm-hmm. I think what actually I like about this film that is weirdly interesting in its own right is that the family families. It's not that they make collective decisions, but each of the family members are like they're a really tight knit family. Yes, um, Mrs. Bennett is kind of overbearing, but they they love each other. They're one unit. I think that's really nice to see um, a non you know, it's not a toxic family dynamic, um, which is, which is really like it's coming from a place of love when she, uh, when she sends Jane to Netherfield in the rain, so she'll have to spend the night there. It's like, it's like devious, but it's like in a, almost in a good natured way where the whole family just can kind of laugh at it. 
you know? Exactly. And they don't take themselves too seriously. And I think that's why, you know, I don't know what, what happens at the end. Cause that whatever, any adaptation always ends with, uh, Darcy and, and Elizabeth getting married. But oh. I think Darcy would have his work cut out for himself, uh, you know, sitting with the, uh, in-laws, but I don't think we'll ever get that, um, that, <laughs> <laughs> that, I'm, sur- uh, I'm surprised maybe. no one ever tried to do that and just be like, oh, no. here, here's this Pride and Prejudice sequel. And like, he like, tried he'd once. Be, he'd be gritting his teeth throughout. Like, you could just tell his disdain. But yeah, I just, I I love this film. And I love, <laughs> I mean, I, I love Mr. Darcy as a, as a concept, as a character. I think he's, as I said, he's the Chad that <laughs> doesn't know how to, he's got all this money and these good looks and he's tall and he just like fumbles it every time. Like whenever he can pay Elizabeth a compliment, he's just like, no. yeah, you're like, you know, you, you clearly don't have like the good breeding of like women I'm used to, but um, I'm weirdly attracted to you. So yeah. Why don't we like go out on a date? And then he's just like <laughs> sulking when she's just like, that was horrible. And no, I'm not going to go on a date with you. <laughs> So. definitely i i i i i i feel better after like talking to you about it and like getting inside him as a character more because like it's something like i struggled with i mean i well it's funny when i watched pride and prejudice and zombie i just like laughed every time that guy comes on screen like the guy that plays darcy i was like wow oh, okay. like, it's so ridiculous how like emo they're making this guy look and i was like oh as watch, <laughs> as i was watching this like oh it's actually pretty faithful and i was just like i, I can't really understand like what this woman is seeing in him and i i i've enjoyed talking about him because it's I, he's honestly like in a way like one of the more most you could say he's the most important character in the movie because like it's easy to buy elizabeth as a character you got but like you're not gonna like just you're it's not gonna work for you if you can't buy him so uh, as just like someone that like she will ultimately fall for and i i i, I kind of get it after talking with you about it so yeah uh do you have i i, I you kind of just summed up your feelings on the movie but do you have any other final thoughts before we wrap this one up no other than like you oh guys- we didn't talk about judy dench Oh my God! Yeah. So like, I mean, uh, she, she, yeah, she, yeah, Lady Catherine's like a big presence throughout the movie, and uh, it's like I a was very. I was going to mention her. I'm so sorry. You're right. Well, it's a very big right. climactic scene she gets with Elizabeth. They like kind of comes out of nowhere because like you, you can see she's kind of eyeing her in the first scene where they meet, and when 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 they're at her house, because uh, that's where Mr. Collins lives, because like she's his benefactor or something like that. Yeah, that's right. Um, I don't know why anyone would be want to be his benefactor. It seems like she could make a better investment. Uh, but. Uh, but like she's there and she's kind of like eyeing Elizabeth kind of suspiciously because it's like why are you not married and you have all these other younger siblings that are just like out in the world already doing their thing like you should already like have your shit figured out and but at the same but like then it feels like it's like oh wow like this escalated really quickly when they have their final showdown Uh, what are your feelings on Lady Catherine in the movie I think you know what I think it's just the perfect example of somebody who comes from a high status and like has a lot of money and, and wants to see First, she's a protocol lady. You know what I mean? Like, just like I assume the people that surround the Queen of England are protocol people. Mm-hmm. Um, she's about, like, you know, we, Darcy is betrothed to my daughter. Like, there are certain things that have to happen, and I'm not going to let some middle-class wench get in my way. <laughs> and she's like, you know what I mean? Like, I just think that she thinks because she has more money and because these things have been set in stone or whatever, or in her mind that she has the upper hand here and she's just going to shame Elizabeth. And I think that this is where Elizabeth's like iron sort of uh, like nerves of steel come out because Mm. even when she's sitting down and and her, you know, uh, Lady Catherine is sort of insulting her family. She's just like throwing barbs back and like, you can tell that Darcy's low key impressed. He's like, Okay, but he's like kind of impressed by what she's doing there. <laughs> like that he's she's he's throwing it back to yeah. her. I, th- I think so. she's just like a good example of like the pressures that exist in that society. Uh, just because yeah. we, I, I don't, I, I kind of meant to like discuss a little bit more just the pressures of just the class. I mean, I mentioned earlier how I think it is really compelling to watch like someone like fight those different feelings of you know doing what following your heart or just doing the, the convenient thing. And the convenient thing in this world is to probably just like stay within your class. And and, because you're going to have forces like a lady Catherine just there, like kind of terrorizing you if you kind of like if 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 you try and leave your status. And we, we already like praise Kira Knightley, but it's, it, it is kind of cool. Cause at that point, like, I mean, in her career, I think, I mean, she had been in some big movies, like she'd been in the Pirates of the Caribbean movie and she'd been in, you know, I guess 
well, I don't know what else she done. She didn't bend it like Beckham and Love Actually, I guess. At that point, like that was like a whole other level to like go toe to toe with like someone that like like Judy Judy Dench and like hold her own is like really impressive. And I I, I can't believe I almost forgot to talk about it because it's 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 just one of the more uh, impressive acting showcases of the movie to have the two of them just like uh, going at each other in. Uh, it's it's pretty moving to see like someone that like because because that's the thing at that point like you haven't had the final scene with her and mr darcy yet and at the same time she's not professing her love for him but she's not going to let herself get pushed around by this lady and she's like like it's like no no uh no i'm i'm not proposed to him but i'm not gonna like just like agree with you that it's never gonna happen just because i'm not gonna let you push me around at that point she doesn't know he's coming back like at that point he may as well be out of her life for all she knows but at the same time she's just not gonna let this woman just like bully her into submission and just agreeing that like yep i'm just gonna like stay in this house my whole life no and it's interesting because um i mean we we talked about like oh who is who's the proud one and who's the prejudiced one Mm -hmm. but but Elizabeth is not ashamed of her family. And I think that's something that's really admirable is that, you know, yes, she understands that her family is um, maybe there's her mom's kind of a social climber and Lydia ran away uh, with a less than savory character, but she, she cares deeply about her family and she defends her family. And I think that um, that seems to tick off the upper class more Mm -hmm. like in this film more than like ultimately Lady Catherine, I don't think, I don't know if she like truly respects her, but ultimately Darcy ends up respecting her. Like there's a certain amount of respect that um, is given to her because she holds her own. Mm. Um, and I just, you know, again, just the, the, the tension of the scene in the rain and then the, the, the really tender, like that really tender uh, scene at the end when he's walking up the hill and you're like, Oh my God, she's going to accept the proposal. What's going to happen. So um, I just, this movie just did it all really well and in two hours because again josh i don't know you already saw zombies right (laughs) you saw this version i don't know if you want to see the bbc miniseries but it colin firth is in a waistcoat and so i think that (laughs) you should really consider six hours with colin firth um because then he plays mark darcy in bridget jones diary which is another favorite of mine if we ever do something on uh british rom-coms um i don't know if i've ever i've ever watched the british uh i I don't know if i've ever watched the uh the bridget jones movies before um, oh, they're okay. They're with uh, Renee Zellweger yeah, in her yeah. best in her best British accent. Wait, is is wait? It's Renee Zellweger, Colin Firth, and uh, is Hugh Grant in those? Hugh Grant is in it. Yep. Okay, so He's yeah, kind of an asshole in that one, though. Oh, okay. I I I, 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 I couldn't remember <laughs> Not, if he was Notting Hill, right? Notting oh, Hill. Oh, Notting Hill's Four incredible. Weddings. Four Weddings and a Funeral, which I love. So. I'm, more, I'm, I'm much more of a Notting Hill person than a Four Weddings and oh, a Funeral person. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, 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 that's that, that's a, that's its whole other podcast. Um, totally. But, but, but yeah, so I think we both highly recommend Pride and Prejudice. I don't know when it got on Netflix. I think it came on pretty recently, though. Very, yeah. uh, so I think people have plenty of time to catch it, and I hope a lot of people watch it, because I think even people like me that only really could say they'd seen a few Jane Austen adaptations really f- can find a lot to appreciate in this that if, is different from the other ones out there like Emma and slash clueless and uh, sense and sensibility and, and all that. So uh, yeah, Denise, before we get out of here, is there anything else you want to recommend to people? Any other things you've been watching in quarantine recently that you think people should check out? Um, oh, th- this will make you, cause we just talked about it, but yeah. um, so I watched the four weddings and a funeral show that was produced and written by Mindy Kaling Your came out last year. Yeah. Queen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I could talk about that woman all day. <laughs> it would take, it would take several podcasts. Um, but that came out last summer. I want to say it was like June of 2019. And I watched the first episode last year and I just wasn't into it. Hmm. And I was like, you know what? Let me try this again. It's a mini series. I don't think though that there will be a season two. And I think there's kind of a satisfactory ending. It's 10 episodes, but I actually really enjoyed it. It was, it's just very light. It takes place. Most of it takes place in London. Some of it takes place in New York city. But if you're looking for, um, something sort of lighthearted to watch, I would definitely recommend Four weddings and a funeral. It's on Hulu. And then otherwise I think the English teacher and me will have to say like spark notes makes these hilarious memes, uh, for pride and prejudice on their Twitter and Instagram accounts. So definitely mm-hmm. check those out. Okay. I did not know about um, that. Yeah. And definitely watch those weird compilations um, that are like Darcy's thoughts throughout Pride and Prejudice because people, people are really creative. I'm excited. I'm excited to go check this out. I don't, as far as I haven't watched a ton of stuff in the last 
two weeks that I haven't already mentioned on the podcast that I that I liked. I've watched some stuff I didn't love that I don't really feel like talking about much here. I'll make a recommendation from something I watched early in quarantine that I think you would really dig. Uh, Martin Scorsese's The Age of Innocence. Uh, I don't think I recommended it on the podcast previously. It's a 1993 movie uh, with uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Winona Ryder that's uh, set in 1870s New York. And Daniel Day-Lewis plays this like rather high-class guy that uh, is you know, potentially like going to end up marrying this Winona Ryder character, but, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's character is, uh, or she's kind of divorced. She had like a disastrous marriage to like a, this other guy, like when she was living overseas and comes mm-hmm. back and, you know, 1870s divorcee, like you're kind of a little bit of an outcast. And yeah. it's a, a lot of it is whether or not this guy from this, like this really well-respected guy that's like set to marry this other woman played by Winona Ryder is going to be tempted by this Michelle Pfeiffer character. And it is rated PG oh, and it might be like have more sexual tension than all the other movies I've watched <laughs> in quarantine combined. Very impressive. Just in how kind of we were talking about how Pride and Prejudice was able to kind of like generate a lot of moments like that. Like The Age of Innocence is maybe like the sexiest PG movie I've ever seen. So if that's okay, it, 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 if, if that's on a hard sell, I don't, I don't know what is. And it's just really cool because it's like Bart Scorsese, you know, like, he's the guy that like does like all these gangster movies and Wolf of Wall Street and like super graphic rated R movies. And he was able to kind of like tell this romance in a very suspense way so I, that's why i think age of innocence would be uh, actually a pretty good double feature with pride and prejudice because i mean it uh it, ha- it has some uh similar themes and it's uh but it's but it's kind of the other side of the pond it's 1870s new york as opposed to like um I guess the book actually, I, I looked up when I was looking here, the book's actually set in the 19th century England, and uh, so this is 19th century New York. So uh, a, a very unique setting. I don't know how many movies you really see take place in the 1870s in New York. So no. definitely uh, recommend that one. There we go. Uh, Denise, before we sign off, anything you want to plug, your Twitter, or anything where people can find anything you have to say about things? No, no worries. Okay. I'll, I'll remain mostly anonymous on the internet, but appreciate everybody who listens to um, the episodes that I'm on. There you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> as usual, on Twitter, Josh Jernavoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y. And Letterboxd, same thing. Denise, you got to plug your letterbox. I mean, come oh, on. Oh, that's right. You're right. Okay, so my letterbox, the account is at it was a rom-com. Please follow me. I think I have like 24 followers. Um, Whenever Denise decides you. to log something, she can. She's very good at giving like a spicy like half sentence take. Yeah, and, uh, so, so I, 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 I want her to start doing it more. So that's why I'm pressuring okay. her to at least plug that if she doesn't want to plug her Twitter or something. Uh, and as usual, the podcast is on Twitter at Rewind Movie Pod and the Rewind Movie Pod at gmail.com if you want to email us with any other suggestions on something to cover. I want to thank Denise for joining. Coming up next, I think maybe I'll do that podcast where we talk about Albert Brooks movies, but there's other stuff that it's like going to start coming out like new stuff that I think might get put on demand earlier in October. I just don't really have a solid release schedule ahead of me. So I could be doing some old stuff. Like I said, talking about some Albert Brooks movies or things of that nature, or we could be like jumping right back into some 2020 releases as they kind of move from these virtual festivals into our on-demand libraries. So uh, everyone stay tuned for that. Thanks again to Denise for joining. We'll see you next time. Bye.